This is the Word of God. I'm Father Reed. Today, we're going to look at the third Sunday of Advent week, the third Sunday of Advent. Now, we are using the daily lectionary readings from the Book of Common Prayer, and we are in year two. There are two years for daily lectionary readings. There are three years for Sunday readings. So for those of you that go to an Episcopal church, you have three years, year A, year B, year C. And if you do the daily readings, which is what the Word of God is about, encouraging you to read the scriptures on a daily basis, you have year A, year um, one, and year two. Very simple. Year two began with the first Sunday of Advent. And the first Sunday of Advent can be located at the end of November or the beginning of December. They are the four Sundays prior to Christmas Day. So we've got the fourth, and then that week you'll have Christmas on the week of fourth Advent. And then we'll be doing some particular scriptures for Christmas. It's going to be wonderful. We'll do four, fourth Advent next week. Then the following week we'll do Christmas, and then we'll do uh, Epiphany. After that, there's a wonderful series of Christmas Day scriptures, Epiphany, and then we'll go to First Epiphany, Second Epiphany, etc. As we prepare for the coming of the Lord. Now, our readings will be taken from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Gospel. And what we have this week for your reading is the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is a minor prophet, meaning he's the last of 12 books uh, in the Old Testament. Remember, there are 39 books in the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi, and the last 12 are the minor prophets. Zechariah has 12 chapters. It's actually one of the longer books of the 12, and we'll be reading scriptures from there. Then we will be looking at the book of Revelation. If you recall last week, we were looking at uh, the uh, to the churches, and so uh, the writer was writing uh, the words of the Holy Spirit to the seven churches, and we continue with that reading today, and then ending with uh, chapter 6, and then, believe it or not, we're still in Matthew, and we're at, toward the end, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, okay? Matthew 24 and 25, very important readings, and we'll review those with you. Okay, you'll also see on the podcast that we have listed the scriptures if you do not have access to the Book of Common Prayer. But if you wanted to go to the Book of Common Prayer, page 939 in the Book of Common Prayer has the listing of the readings for Third Advent. If you do not have access to that information, we have posted them there for you. Again, the idea is for you and me to read them, pray over them, meditate upon them, and ask the Lord to reveal his truth to you. Uh, look for, look for um, ways for God to speak to you from the scriptures. If you have a Bible that has notes to it at the bottom of the page, some Bibles have are study Bibles and they might have notes attached. You might look at those to give you a fuller, complete meaning of the text. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, we're so happy to have you with us as we are in the third Sunday of Advent, moving toward Christmas Day. And these scriptures prepare us for the coming of the Lord. We begin with uh, Zechariah chapter 1, 7 to 17. Now, Zechariah is not the easiest of 
uh, books to um, read and understand. So again, for those of us that are just simply trying to get our nose in the scriptures, our eyes on the text, it's important that you read them. It's good to read to get a feel for what the prophet is saying. And so we have in chapter 1, verse 7, on the 24th day of the 11th month, the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo. All right. God speaks through people. God speaks through prophets, those that he anoints as prophets, those he calls as prophets. The word of God comes to them, and then they share the word of the Lord with others. Much of the time, it's with kings, those in leadership. Sometimes they are done personally. Uh, so other times, like Nathan and David, um, thou art the man. Or uh, they are done uh, to the people. They are meant to encourage, to warn, to teach, to tell what is going to happen. So prophets don't just talk about future events. They can talk about uh, what God is doing at that time, for that time. Um, sometimes it's correction. Sometimes it's training. Sometimes it's um, a teaching moment. The prophet is used to speak the word of the Lord. Remember, a lot of people did not read, and certainly they didn't have the old some of them did not have the previous Old Testament scriptures up to that point. So they depended on God speaking through these people. So read chapter 1 and enjoy. In chapter 2, we have the man with a measuring line. Another um, wonderful scripture. Look at verse 5. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Verse 3. Then the angel who was speaking to me left, and another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run! Tell that young man Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it. And then he says, I will be a wall of fire around it and I will be its glory. So God is going to inhabit Jerusalem. He's going to take care of the people. He's going to be the wall of fire. That's a good image, wonderful image. He's going to be a wall of fire. And so when God is protecting you, when God is taking care of you, when the glory of the Lord shine, that is a very powerful thing. So just imagine the wall of fire. Imagine God taking care of you. You see him coming around you and surrounding you and protecting you. It's a beautiful image that he shares with us. In chapter 3, we have the clean garments for the high priest. We have Satan's name invoked in verse 2. The Lord has, who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. The Lord's the only one that can deal with the devil. Is not this man a burning stick snatched by the fire? Now, Joshua, was, verse 3, was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And he said to Joshua, I have taken away your sin. I will put new rich garments on you. This is a beautiful metaphor. So our clothing, if as it were, literally or metaphorically is filled with sin. We take the clothes off and we put on new clothes which are purified, which are clean, and Christ gives us the clean clothing to wear. The sin has been cast off. The sin has been forgiven. We have confessed it. Now we put on the new garments. Beautiful um, scripture in Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 4, the golden lamp stand in the two olives trees. Very famous verse in verse 6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. 
I also like verse 10. Who despises the day of small things? Okay, nothing is too small for the Lord. Nothing is too unimportant. Secondly, we do this by the power of God, not by our might, not by our power, by the Spirit of God. That would be a wonderful way to live your life, that you and I are submitting to the power of God, that we're not trying to do everyday living by ourselves. We are submitting to the Lord. We are hearing the Lord. We are depending on the Lord. This is the idea behind the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do not despise the day of small things. God can do a lot with very little. Zechariah chapter 7 and 8. And I'm looking at the end of chapter 7, which is beautiful. This is what the Lord, verse 8 says, Administer true justice. Great way to live. Show mercy. Show compassion to one another. Can't beat that. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. In your hearts, do not think evil of one another. What if we all did that? Verse 11, but they refused to pay attention. They stubbornly turned their backs and stopped up their ears. They didn't want to hear. They didn't want to see. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law, the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. Remember I told you, he's speaking through the prophets. The prophets are coming to us. They're speaking the word of the Lord. It's important to pay attention. It's important not to be stubborn, not to stop up our ears, not to turn our backs on the Lord. Do not make your heart hard. He sends us the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, verse 13, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen. I scattered them with the whirlwind among all the nations. The land was left so desolate behind that no one could come or go. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. So there are consequences for not hearing the word of the Lord. There are consequences to being stubborn. There are consequences to turning your back on the Lord. Please do not do that. These words from Zechariah, believe it or not, written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, over 2,000 years ago, still pertain today. Finish up with these great scriptures in Zechariah chapter 8. Let's look at Revelation. All the way to the end of the Bible, and as you know, the last book of the Bible. I love Revelation. We have this beautiful picture of Jesus in chapter 1, which I spoke to you about last week. Then the churches. We looked at the church of Ephesus in chapter 2, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, and Sardis. Today, we're looking at Philadelphia, Laodicea, Philadelphia, and Laodicea to make seven. These are the words of him who is holy and true, verse 7, chapter 3, who holds the key of David. And then it gives you the prophecy. Now, again, what you're doing is you're reading the specific word of the Lord to the church in Philadelphia and the church in Laodicea. Then, once you understand that, you are praying about what the Lord would specifically say to you using those words and using that language, okay? Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, let me remind you in verse 14. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, verse 15. This is often quoted. 
that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. I'm gonna vomit you out of my mouth. You wanna have an intensity and a passion about your relationship with God. You don't wanna be cool toward him, okay? You want to be, you don't wanna be lukewarm. You wanna make a decision to be hot for the Lord, obviously, okay? Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, verse 19. That is true. So be earnest and repent. Best thing you and I can do is be honest before the Lord and repent if we need to repent of our sin. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock, verse 20. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will go in and eat with him and he and me. Be open to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Again, I remind you of the words in Zechariah that we already read that you're going to be reading this week. Read from the church of Laodicea and the church of Philadelphia. Listen to what God is saying to you personally about how he wants you to conduct your life. We move on to chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6. Now, chapter 4 is just a fabulous chapter um, concerning the throne of God in heaven and the beauty of heaven and the four living creatures and the holiness of the Lord and praising the Lord and honoring the Lord. It's a beautiful chapter of worship. I love chapter 4 and chapter 5. Chapter 5, the lion of the, tri uh, the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and the seven seals. And there he is in verse 6, chapter 5. A lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Revelation is the great book of the Bible that shows us the glory of God in Christ. It shows us Christ glorified. No other book really does that. The readings from John through to Revelation are epistles and writings about Jesus, but don't describe Jesus in his glory like Revelation does. So you're going to enjoy chapter five very much. There's again, praise and worship and glorification of the Lord in chapter five. And then in chapter six, we have the seals. I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals and you have the first seal through the seventh seal. Now, it is quite complex to look at the seals and what all that means. So again, I encourage you to read your Bible uh, concerning that in chapter six. Look at your notes at the bottom of the page. Pray about what the Lord is saying to you concerning the seals. The language in chapter four and five is very simple to find and to follow and to understand in terms of God speaking to you personally. There's a specificity to the church in Philadelphia and Laodicea uh, in chapter three. And then of course the seven seals, the seven, the perfect number, um, we begin this incredible journey into Revelation and the difficulty of the book of Revelation. In Matthew 24, and as I said last week, chapter 24 is about the signs at the end of the age. And so he spends three days looking at the signs at the end of the age, and he talks about, in verse 36, uh, quite an amazing passage about no one knowing the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, the son, but only the father. And he's talking about us being ready for the coming of the Lord, 
Keep watch, verse 42. You don't know on what day your Lord will come. But know this, 43 of chapter 24. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. So you must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you don't expect him. You want to be ready in your life every day to meet the Lord. What do I need to do to be ready? Repentance is important. Confessing your sins, as I said earlier, is very important. Living in the fear of the Lord is important, as it says in Zechariah. And back to Revelation in chapter 4 and 5, we are praising the Lord. We are worshiping the Lord. That, I love that wall of fire. The wall of fire is up for us. The Lord, glory of the Lord is shown in our lives. That will keep you in very good stead with the Lord as you prepare for his coming. In the 25th chapter, we have three parables, and they are all very, very famous. So 24 is about the signs at the end of the age, and then the second part of it is being prepared for that. That's what you and I really need to focus on. Now we have three parables that talk about the end. The parable of the ten virgins. The people that took their lamps in verse 1 and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish, five were wise. You want to be the wise people. You do not want to be foolish. It is a beautiful parable. You want to be prepared. You want to be ready. You'll enjoy this parable very much. The meaning of it is very, very clear. Be prepared. Be ready. Be watching. Be wise. The parable of talents. A man going on a journey, verse 14, calls his servants, entrusts his property to them. Now, that does not mean the property is theirs. The property is still the man going on a journey. The servants, we are the servants. God owns. We are stewards of God's property that he's lending to us. The property is not ours, very important part. And he gives the servants each different amounts. Five talents, two talents, and one talent. Each of us has different skills. Each of us has different talents. Each of us has different amounts that God gives us. We do not all get the same amount. Some of us get more, some of us get less. What we get is not important. What we do with what we get is the key to the passage. And as you read through it, you will see that the three people respond in different ways. And you want to respond to the stewardship obligations that you and I have, all of us have them, in a positive and productive way because there is going to be an accounting of that at the end of our lives. And we will stand before the judge of all the earth and we will give an account as these men did toward the man going on the journey, in this case, God. We're going to give an account of how we handled it. All right. Verse 29, in summary, for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whatever he does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Use what God has given you wisely. Finally, we have the oft-quoted parable about the sheep and the goats. The sheep on one side, they go to heaven. The goats on the other side, they do not. And the whole point of it is 
to do for the least of these and to serve the Lord in such a way that we are serving Christ in the process. There's a separation between the sheep and the goats. The goats are on the left, the sheep are on the right. The king will judge. How we respond in this life, as we saw in the previous parables, will be tremendously important. Are we ready for the bridegroom coming? Are we using the talent and gifts and word of the Lord well in our lives? Are we loving our neighbor? Are we helping the poor? Are we feeding the hungry? Do we care about other people? Are we doing the things that God has asked us to do, the sheep and the goats? There's an, a separation, and that separation involves heaven and hell. So it's a very striking passage. Much to think about this week in the season of Advent, in this third week of Advent, the middle of December, as we prepare for the coming of Jesus. We're looking at the great book of Zechariah, the beautiful opening chapters of Revelation, and the closing chapters of the book of Matthew. May God bless you abundantly this week as you study the scriptures faithfully. And next week, we'll look at the last week of Advent for Advent. God bless you.